talking baseball. The man and Bobby fella, the scooter, the barber and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Shoeless Goat podcast, where we talk everything Cubs, Sox, and MLB. That's White Sox, not Red Sox. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm usually joined this time by the mayor of Section 509, Patrick Bovard. He is unable to be with us this week. He's pretty busy shaking babies and kissing hands. So instead, <laughs> we are joined by Slim Sammy Norland. Sam, how's it going, buddy? Not too bad. Uh, been better as far as uh, Cubs fans, Cubs fandom goes. But uh, other than that, weather's nice finally. So uh, now that the now that the weather's on our side. It is fully baseball season as far as I'm concerned, as, at least especially after tomorrow's national championship game. Well, yeah, that too. Um, definitely. We have opening day tomorrow too, so we're hoping that home field advantage is a thing, right? Man, I sure hope so. That, that, that road trip wasn't the kindest to us, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, we, we definitely will. Um, real quick, if you were going to use one emoji to describe the Cubs season thus far, what, what do you got? Oh man, uh, I you know what? Not nothing crazy, nothing. I, I don't want to be too down. It, it'd be the one where you're uh, where you've got the finger pointing, just kind of looking confused. Because okay, that's that that a, a state of confusion is what I what I'm in. I, I don't want to get too angry w- without uh, without maybe thirty forty games played. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll go with the confused one where you're kind of. Where you're pointing, where you got your hand, your hand on your chin, looking up a little bit, rather than any, I don't know, the 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 purple one with the horns or whatever that's too pissed off. So I, I I'd stick with confusion right now. I was uh, I was fully expecting poop emoji, but I'm glad you're thinking positive, especially because <laughs> we're only nine games in. Exactly, long so, season, but a great. So- yeah, definitely. So we're going to start off like we do every week. We're going to start off with a week recap. We're just going to do a minute, minute and a half on the week. I'll start off. I'm doing White Sox this week, although we are. this is a two-Cub fan broadcast this week, but I will be taking over as alderman of Section 509, hopefully to fill the void that has left us. Um, so I'm going to start off with some White Sox talk. Uh, two and three on the week, not the worst uh, case scenario. As Pat always says, this season is not about wins and losses. It's about what we see from yep. the team. And we saw some really good things. Um, so two and three, they split these two-game series in Cleveland and absolutely demolished Corey Kluber. Carlos Ordon had an excellent start. And uh, Yohan Mankata made Corey Kluber look like a little girl um, <laughs> a couple times, which was fantastic. Uh, and then... They had the home opener, which was a blast from all accounts. Huge crowd at guaranteed rate field. And the game had really everything you would have wanted in a baseball game for a non-fan. So as a Cub fan, I was watching parts of the game. And I was thinking, all right, early lead, and then blown lead, and then comeback victory, and everyone goes home happy. They went up against Japanese pitcher Kikuchi from the Seattle Mariners. Ronaldo Lopez looked terrible, but they still got the win. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. Um, so they did drop the last two um, against the Mariners, and they didn't look very good, specifically Ivan Nova, who is quickly um, on his way to the island of misfit <laughs> pitchers with Matt Latos and Chris Volstad. So um, we'll see how he continues. I know that um, Dylan Cease is, uh, is looking pretty good, ready to make his way back up, so he might be the odd man out. 
that sucks for the week, but I'm going to toss it to you now. What do you got for the Cubs? Well, it, this week sure made it difficult to be an, an eternally optimistic Cubs fan. I'll tell you that. They went 1-5 and five on the week with the lone spot, the lone bright spot coming uh, on Saturday in a 14-8 win over the Brewers in which Jason Hayward maybe had the game of his career. Um, uh, before that happened, though, unfortunately, the Cubs were swept by the Braves, the first of which was an 8 nothing, just absolute drubbing in which the Cubs committed six errors for the first time, I think, since 1982 or something, when Ryan Sandberg was on the team. Um, so that series did obviously did not go well. Um, and then the Cubs had a chance to, uh, yesterday, if you're listening on Monday, um, Sunday against the Brewers, uh, but a few chances with runners on later in the game, and Josh Hader pitched the seventh, eighth, and the ninth innings in under – what, 35 pitches probably, and just shut that down to lose 4-2. Um, again, the bright spots in the, in the fact that they're scoring a lot of runs, but as we've seen with the remainder of the season, now sitting in only two wins, uh, the bullpen is just absolutely in shambles. So um, no, nothing too exciting this week, but uh, th- this past week, but obviously hope springs eternal. Home opening day tomorrow doesn't get any easier against Jamison Tyone, but uh, hopefully the Cubs can pick up a few against the Pirates here. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Hader because uh, Council has been managing him perfectly, yep. considering they don't have Jeffress or Canable. So the fact that he came in on as much rest as a closer could have, pretty much, and then they were just trying to get him out of the game. I remember Joe Madden in the eighth uh, walked Christian Yelich to get Hader to come up to bat, and he's still bad. Yeah, exactly. Like so, that's my my heart sunk when he came up to bat. I was like, oh. Yeah, I was, I was actually – that was the one time I was rooting for the beanball, like ever, <laughs> actually. I'm very anti-beanball, and we'll get into that later. But at that point, I was like, the Cubs needed the win so bad. I was going – I was thinking drastic measures. Um, but like you said, Pirates, and then we have the Angels after that. So it definitely doesn't get any easier, especially in the NL Central. Um, Cubs need to win 5 of 6, right? Yep, I mean, absolutely need to on the home stand. Uh, after such a sorry start, if if you can get through April at 500, preferably three, four games above it. But I think just obviously since it's such a long season, you can't get them all back at once. But a home stand, a, a f- taking five to six in the home stand would do a whole lot, both for, I think, just in the clubhouse, and, and you're closer to the team, obviously, than most everybody else is, and the fans at large. Yeah, definitely. I kind of look at this season, everyone's everyone's freaking out. I mean, there's more freak-out fans than there are calm-down fans, and that's kind of concerning. But you got to look at it this way. Every team's going to win 50 games. Every team's going to lose 50 games. It's, gonna, it's what you do with the other 62. But the key to that all is winning as many home games as possible. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking 55 home games. Because if you win 55 home games, you only have to win 500 on the road. Yep. And then you're a playoff team. You know, So that starts tomorrow. So, uh, the Cubs really need to start off big tomorrow because they have the uh, six games at home, go away, and they come back home again. So it's huge momentum, definitely needed. Most definitely. So uh, we're going to jump to big stories now, and I'll bring it back to our Sox fans. We, we kind of alluded to this earlier. Our big story, we're going to come up with a better name for it than the big story, obviously, but it's a work in progress. Um, I'm going to go with Mankata this week. I mean, the guy is absolutely on fire, and – if you asked even the most diehard Sox fans at the beginning of the season this year, they would have called themselves the loser of the Chris Sale trade. 
but within a week <laughs> and a half of baseball, Sox fans have changed their mind completely. Uh, Mankata currently batting 353 and just got his 11th RBI today, which is massive. And he hit that bomb off. Uh, I think it was off Kluber that just went into like the, the, the 10th deck in Cleveland, cow. which was that was awesome. It, it was like a Barry Bonds bomb. Like that's what it looked like. I don't want to use the Barry Bonds comp. I think the Eric Thames comp, just like looking at the swing, <laughs> is more relevant. But it, it looked like a Bonds I bomb. See that? Yeah, I mean. I think uh, Mankata would have to put on like another 50 pounds of muscle to look like Thames and definitely hit up his local tattoo artist. But I think that's a legit comp. We'll see how it plays out. But what do you think? Do you think, I mean, is it too early to say that the Sox won this trade now, especially the way yeah, Giolito's been pitching? Obviously, it's kind of tough to say after a week and a half, basically. But obviously, the Sox fans are feeling a lot more uh, and can maybe be sitting, sitting prettier than they were. Um, after uh, Yohan Mankata struck out, what, 217 times last year. And a big thing um, is that he's, uh, obviously that's over a strikeout a game. He, he's got only, what, six strikeouts this year so far through seven games or whatever, seven, eight games. So I think uh, that's uh, obviously above all else, the home runs, the batting average, whatever. Keeping that strikeout number low is what will really appease Sox fans. Oh, definitely. And I mean, yep. he's hitting the opposite field too. So that's humongous. Um, but yeah, the strikeout number is huge. Like even, even the best of players like Harper and Trout strike out a bunch, but if you're productive in those other areas of the game, like that almost doesn't matter. I'm very interested, interested to see if Mokata keeps it up. Cause if you recall last year, he was doing this same exact, <laughs> not to this level, but he's doing the same thing, and everyone's like, oh, he's better than Baez. And now we've got our buddy, the mayor, saying, oh, he's now that he's at third base, he's better than Bryant. So I don't know. We'll see if he if he keeps it up. But what do you think? Do you think he keep it going, or is, is this kind of like a an April uh, early heat? I think it's j- just like Anthony Rizzo seems to struggle at the beginning of every, every of every year. I think we may get into a pattern of Yohan Moncada having a red hot April, and then pretty much the the league adjusting to him. I, I don't think that he'll fall off a cliff like he did last year. But I would. I but also. On a plus, on a positive note, I wouldn't be surprised if he hit 280 for the year. I think 280 is a good number. I was thinking 270, but you're you're more of the uh, the optimist again, even with it, even when we are talking about White Sox. I suppose so. Um, so no fall off cliff, maybe a small hill. Then is what we were going with, right? Exactly. There you go. No no mountains in uh, Illinois. Perfect. And that's the way we like it. Um, all right, we're gonna go over to Cubs now, and we're gonna throw that to you. So what? I mean, it's dismal at this point, but what's the best for you this week? With the bullpen, the biggest takeaway for me is that it's just been incredibly frustrating. It, it, there's not really anybody that Joe Madden and the Cubs can rely on at this point in the season. And with Carl Edwards having working the entire spring on a new windup, new great windup, being told it's illegal, getting sent down to AAA, uh, he's really got to, I, I think – he more than maybe names like Kinsler or is the straw that stirs the drink in the Cubs bullpen. And without him, obviously, things have kind of just th- – like it's a runaway train that's off the rails. So it's it, it obviously incredibly frustrating to watch. It's hard to uh, hard to find any positives with the bullpen. Um, so I'm just kind of as dumbfounded, as confused, as I said earlier in the episode, then uh, as anybody could be basically what – like. What in the world do they do about it? 
Yeah, so what really caught me is it's like comic relief at this point. When the Cubs have this massive lead against Milwaukee, Rosario comes in and gives up a bunch of runs, and then it automatically pans to Madden, and you can see him mouthing the words, I'm so fucking sick of this shit. And that right. made me lose my goddamn mind. <laughs> yep. Like, it was so funny. And that pretty much just, like, sums up the worries of the bullpen. And I'm glad you mentioned Edwards, too. I think that is just such BS that they couldn't have told him, like, during spring training that, that he had an illegal, you know, pitching motion, if it even is illegal, because they've let other pitchers go with worse. I think if you remember Carter Caps, the guy who was yeah. doing, like, like, a jump step before every pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... Yeah, and the league just let him do it. So it really threw Carl yeah, off, and, I think. And th- this is maybe old man yells at Cloud, but my, my dad's still convinced that Clayton Kershaw's wind up as a Bach, too. So if Kershaw can get away with uh, a very blatant pause, I think uh, CJ can get away with a shorter one. I'm going to agree with Papa Norland <laughs> on that one, but it's kind of like when your dad when your dad say these things and like get pissed about traveling calls, it's, it's like the boy who cried wolf at that point. Exactly. There's help on the way, I think. If uh, Xavier Cedeno can come back healthy and Brandon Morrow can come back healthy, but is it enough? They sent CJ down, as we said. They put Montgomery on the what I like to call the mercy injury list. It's not the deal <laughs> anymore. It's the IL. Uh, they've done this in the past with, uh, I think it was uh, Anderson who was starting. Was it Brett Anderson? Or I yeah, can't remember. Yeah. Familiar. They put him on like the mercy DL, which like we're not going to send you down but we're just going to say that you're hurt i think that's what's going on with montgomery um and they brought up uh kyle ryan and they brought up um who was the other guy they brought up those guys are coming in getting shelled too so i yeah i don't know i want to see dylan maples is really what i'm getting at (laughs) there you go i wouldn't mind that yeah he's got some anything new he's got some nasty stuff yeah yeah just to shake it up Mm mm-hmm all right, that's enough sad stuff, though. Let's let's get back to happy. Um, there you go. We're going to do what we do always again, and we're going to pick players of the week. Last week, I picked a Cubs. Pat picked a Sox. But since uh, Sox representation is pretty low this week, I'm, we're going to do one apiece. We're going to say who was the best White Sox, who was the best Cub. So we'll just start with the best White Sox. I think we're going to have the same answer. It's It's got to be Mankata, right? Oh, 100%. Yep, especially as we alluded to earlier the kind of disappointment of last year and something that uh, it's just something for the Sox fans to look forward to uh, above all else, his continued development. Yeah. And uh, honorable mention Rodon with that great start against Kluber. Um, But Rodon has himself uh, a mountain ahead of him next week. He's going up against Snell and Tanaka after that. So he very well could gain that player of the week spot if he keeps doing what he's been doing. Now I'm curious who you got for the Cubs because it was a tough one and, we might have the same answer, but I want to hear you go first. Yeah, again, not a ton of positives, but I think just for a career game, you got to got to tip the hat to Jason Hayward. Yeah, that's who I had to Jason Hayward. Plus, he had a homer the night before too, so that's three homers in the span of you know forty hours or something like that. Um, and he's hitting the opposite field, but if you recall, he always kills it in Milwaukee. It's like Goldschmidt in Chicago. Yeah. I don't like not to that. That level, but I feel like Milwaukee is a good spot for him, which is yeah, good because exactly. he gets to play nine well, to ten and, games. And I think honorable mention for the Cubs, at least, it's been good to see Wilson Contreras get some electricity back in his bat. Definitely, yeah. I mean, he hit what two homers in Milwaukee. One that one was an absolute tank to center. Yeah. It was like four fifty plus, and he has what like three or four homers now. He had like eight last year, so 
Um, I think Kelly Kroll had a, a, a bit of an interview with him before the year, and he was kind of resting on his laurels of his really yeah. good rookie year, and supposedly he's not going to do that anymore, thank God. Um, so he's actually, you know, working out and practicing on his swing as opposed to just, like, saying, I hit 21 yeah. homers my first year, I could do this again. So uh, big year for I Willie, sure I think. So. Yeah, we all do. Uh, and it, honestly, like, catching the catching position in – the majors this year in general is like abysmal when it comes to hitting. So if you can get a guy to hit 20 home runs from the catcher position, you are way, way out of the curve as many very sad fantasy baseball yeah, owners are becoming yeah, exactly. aware. Yeah, I, one of my buddies who I saw over the weekend, his, his fantasy league that they've had for 10 years probably just completely got rid of the catcher position and added an extra outfield just because the drop off after the first, after the top what, three or four is just gargantuan. Oh yeah, it's bad. That's like that's interesting. I've not heard that. That's like the DH of fantasy, right? Because you want a ton of pitchers in fantasy, exactly. but no one wants catchers. Mm-hmm. All right, we're moving along here, which is good. Um, what I do now is a uh, is a fun little exercise. Let's say the Cubs come in with a lead, and this is no knock on how the way Joe's been managing because he hasn't been really dealt with a good hand. But who uh, come in with a lead in the seventh inning, the eighth inning, and the ninth inning? If the Cubs have, let's say, a three run oh, lead. The seventh and eighth, I, I, I'm sure hoping that the starter can get into the seventh at least. Give give us seven-plus innings because, as we've alluded to, the bullpen, you can't really rely on anybody. If I had to choose somebody, gun to my head, I don't know, maybe Steve Ciszek just because he's experienced. He's been there before. He's had, he's had a couple bad outings, but he has been around the block. Not too high a pressure situation this in the seventh. Uh, going at, going into the eighth, um, I kind of jokingly want to say, "Hey, what's Carlos Marmol up to?" Just in case the bullpen didn't, oh, yeah. w- didn't have enough excitement so far. But I think y- you can choose between Kinsler, Brad, Brad Brock. Um, other than that, I I'm not too confident. I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna else. make you pick one, Sam. Jeez, uh, let, let, let's go, Brandon Kinsler. You gotta get Brandon this Kinsler, is... and then All right, uh, let's close it out for you. You got to tip the hat to the side, give it to Stropy, just because he's been there before. One of the, not not so much under the radar anymore, but one of the best Cubs relief pitchers of all time, I'd say. So I'm glad we're on the same page in that one because there's some Stropaters out there, and they're usually the 40 and ups who yep. like the hats tilted forward, and also like uh, players not hot dogging out on home runs. <laughs> hint, hint. I actually like what I saw from Brad Brack a lot. Okay. Which is why, um, and then. Eighth, I'm going C-Shack. Um, he, I think he closed a little bit in Seattle, and he definitely closed a little bit last year too. So, and it's also good to just have that really funky delivery. Like, uh, who was it in the 2016? Was it Joe Smith that they brought in for a little bit, yeah. just to like keep everybody off balance? And then, obviously, Strope in the ninth. There isn't a better reliever, in my opinion, in baseball when no one's on because of that quick pitch and just because of uh, the funky way a little bit further now, I'm going to ask you who comes in in the seventh, eighth and ninth when everyone's healthy, when everyone's healthy. Okay. When everyone's healthy, I'd say C-Shack seventh, Stropey eighth, and then Brandon Morrow ninth. I still don't trust CJ Edwards enough. I need, I need maybe ask me, ask me the question in two months when he's gotten some time under his belt and I'd put him in the seventh probably, but until then, I got to stick with C-Shack. Yeah, I was close. I'm actually having uh, Xavier Sedano and C-Shack splitting the seventh. Okay, there you go. Um, because keep the arms fresh and 
keep everyone guessing on who's coming in. Probably have them both warming up at the same time, too. Play some mind games a oh, little yeah. bit. There you go. And then Stropey in the eighth, Moro in the ninth. But honestly, I still like Strope in the ninth, too. So I, I think that's a, it's a flip-flop game going with those two, too. And I, I'm not a huge believer in you have a closer, this is your closer. But if you have a couple head cases yeah. in the bullpen, that's the route you have to go. I mean, bullpen guys are kind of like hockey goalies. You can't really mess with their juju. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But help is on the way is what I said earlier. And hopefully sooner rather than later. Jeez, for all of our um, So we are Cubs, Sox, and MLB. So let's do our MLB talk. For those who like to torture themselves and watch games that are on paper horrible, um, I <laughs> tuned into the Reds-Pirates game, and I'm so happy that I did because I just in time got to watch Derek Dietrich, who is, if you've not seen him in person, a brick shit house does not describe this man. He's yeah. a freak. Absolutely crush, moonshot Chris Archer. Comes back up next time. Ball gets thrown behind him, of course. No major punches or anything, but bench is cleared. Yasiel Puig trying to prove that he's a good teammate in the dumbest way possible is the only one who gets thrown out of the game. All I got to ask is, are you getting tired of this shit like I am? Of like, Okay, Dietrich did admire the home run, but he also did send it into the Allegheny River, so Hume very well has that right. I'm, I'm just, are you tired of this as I am? Oh, I, I would 100% say so. The, like, again, like if you're... I equate it to like something like basketball where if you get dunked on, the guy's going to showboat a bit. If a guy hits an absolute moonshot, like why not let him admire it? Especially with, with Dietrich, like, like you said, he's built like body of a Greek god, you say, but he's not, gonna, he's not a guy who's going to hit 40 home runs a year. So he's, he can't necessarily have the argument, oh, you, you, you've been there before or whatever. If you hit a home run, like why not admire it? I've only hit one in my entire life and – I, I pimped the crap out of it. I, I stared and looked mostly out of disbelief that I could actually connect on something there. But yeah, the, the whole throwing behind him, especially if like Chris Archer, like he saw a pitcher, saw a guy, like you don't need to throw 90 miles an hour in the vicinity of a guy's head just because that is just completely unnecessary. And kind of my last thing on this is that when they call it benches clearing brawls, I think we got to get rid of the term brawl for baseball because that is like a little oh push and shove and match yeah Yasu El Puig is quick is crazy and trying to defend people in the dumbest way possible as you said but a few guys getting in shoving matches holding each other back could not be considered a brawl in the slightest sense yeah I agree with that but the one it's like you know when you see it some of those do turn into <laughs> brawls and they become all-timers like true, true. I think my absolute favorite was when Niger Morgan, a.k.a. Yeah. Tony Plush, charges the mound against the Marlins, and before he even had a sniff at whoever was pitching that day, Gabby Sanchez comes in and just clotheslines <laughs> him, uh, decleats him, and then just just a beatdown. I think it's even dumber on Archer's part because the Reds have a ton of goons. Like it's You have Dietrich, you have Barnhart, and you have Votto, and now you have Crazy Guy Puig because every – like good rumble squad has that one crazy guy that you never know what he's going to do. Oh, like, exactly. this is not first week of the season, first week and a half of the season. This is not, this is not what you need, especially because these two teams are going to be fighting for the, I, I, at least we hope the bottom of the division, but why would you mess with the reds of all teams? They're, they're just a goon squad. Yeah. I, I don't understand that at all. And if, yeah, if, if Dietrich has a body of the Greek God, Yasiel Puig stayed in there right next to him, cut out of marble too. He is no slouch physically either. And, 
the kind of, as you said, kind of wild card guy, he came in pretty much when things were dying down and put, he, he went after Trevor Williams, I think, didn't get to him and then ended up putting the uh, Pirates bench coach in a headlock. So it's like, what in the world is he doing? Well, you know, maybe he just the spirit. It is also WrestleMania on Sunday. He was just feeling it. I mean, I know that they were in uh, New York, but he, you know, the spirit oh, yeah. just just captures everybody. Um, the headlock is just beautiful. I mean, it also reminds me. It was it was a Reds brawl. It was with the Cardinals where Johnny Cueto was pinned up against the netting and just kicking with his spikes oh, yeah. out. I'm sure yeah. I'm sure Yadier Molina had something to do with what was going on. Yep. But all right, so that's about all we have for. Um, our little game there with our bullpen, our little uh, digression. So what are you looking forward to um, within these next six games? Is there a pitching matchup that sticks out for you in regards to the Cubs? Is there something you want to see? I think just because it's rare and we don't get to see it a whole lot, I am fascinated to see not only how the Cubs pitchers, but more specifically the Cubs bullpen is going to be able to get out Mike Trout if that is all even a possibility. (laughs) That's the thing. Yeah, he he's on a tear. Usually, you see guys who sign these huge contracts like kind of take it easy, especially like Cub fans. Ramos Ramirez, oh, like con- best contract year player I've ever seen in my yeah. life. But Puig signs a li- pretty much a lifetime deal and just says, you know what, I'm going to earn every penny and then some. Mm-hmm. What or did I say Puig? I meant Trout. You, yeah, I, yeah. Other than that, definitely the if the Pirates are feeling a little chippy, I don't want the Cubs getting into that. Um, but other than that, something I'm looking forward to. Hey, the Cubs have only scored less than four runs in two games this year. One of them, a shutout. One of them, the most recent game against the Brewers. So keep putting up runs. The pitching will come around. I feel like they've got, obviously, they they can't go on being this bad, Uh, and they're a good enough team where they'll find themselves in the thick of a playoff race later in the season. Maybe not with as many wins as I had hoped at the beginning of the year, with such a shaky bullpen, but there are things to look forward to. Yeah, in regards to the Sox, I'm really looking forward to, as I alluded to earlier, Rodon v. Snell, Rodon v. Tanaka. Um, we've been talking a lot about Giolito on this show, about he, how he has a lot to prove. Well, Rodon has gone above and beyond so far. I think his ERA is in the mid-1s mm-hmm. right now. Obviously, it's early, but him getting deep into the games and then hopefully taking it seven so that Herrera and Cologne can shut down the game. If Ricky decides to put in his late inning relievers in the right times, he decided not to do that a couple times. So uh, bullpen management, uh, not uh, Ricky's strong suit, but uh, not quitting is his strong suit, apparently. Exactly. Yeah, Ricky's boys don't quit. Don't you forget it. All right. So we're going to close out the way we always do with, with Pat try to catch him off guard um, and ask a question that you have not heard yet. So the Cubs bandwagon is a huge topic of conversation, especially among Cubs or or Sox and Cardinal fans saying, Oh, you're all bandwagon fans. Once they got good, everybody, uh, everybody loves them when they're winning us hardcores. We, we don't take offense to it. We kind of get it, but we want to differentiate ourselves from those folks so if, if you were in a conversation with someone who is accusing you of being a bandwagon fan, what is one player whose name you'd mention to prove otherwise? The most obscure Cub you can think of. Oh, man. I've run it. Back when he was in Des Moines, I ran into Felix PA at the airport once. But the first name that came to my mind, Micah Hoffpower. 
Micah Hoffpower, who was what, like 28 or 29 when he made his rookie debut with the Cubs? Yeah, and, and I think he, he might have been an all-star, if I'm remembering correctly. I know Brian LaHare was. Brian, yeah, Brian. That, that was it, I think. Yeah, not Micah. Yeah, but uh, Mike Hoffpower came came up when Derek Lee got hurt, or was it when he was suspended when he charged the mound on uh, <laughs> Young? I think it was. But uh, that's a good one. I, I had so many to choose from, but I had to go with my boy because when I when my the beginning of my Cub fandom when I was very young, my favorite player for no explainable reason whatsoever was Hesop Choi. Oh man, yep, and he's so, been he's, he's been around the block too. Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, he, who did he run into? He, he hit collided heads with someone. They brought the ambulance on the field and took him off wild stuff. Yeah. So I think we'd be safe amongst the, uh, the haters, I guess yeah. you would say, don't you? Oh yeah. I, I'd, I'd say for sure. And I like to do that. I'm, I'm at, a, I'm at the games a lot. And a lot of, uh, a lot of fans always ask me like, Oh, how'd you get this job? How'd you get this job? Like working on the field and everything. And I always say, Oh, I'm Tony Campana's cousin. <laughs> and it's some people enough. give me this blank look, like right, and they're like, like if they don't know who that is, then I just kind of know they they probably have a David Ross jersey on the back too. So <laughs> that's uh that's another sign, red flag. Well, I I feel like the the obscure player, obviously both for the Cubs and Sox, you could do an entire segment week going forward. Pit, pit, eat every have one person pick one, give a little background, tell a story, maybe. Uh, I I like that idea. That was an awesome question. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely going to bring – we're going to keep this going because I, I think me and uh, B. Frank from Let Me Be Frank podcast have gone hours just throwing back and forth uh, random Cubs relievers like oh, Scott Ayer and guys like that, Bobby Howery. So definitely something to keep in mind as we go forward. Like maybe we'll do like a who's that Pokemon name that obscure, you know, Cubs or yeah. Sox player, something like that. We'll figure it out. So that is episode three. It will be airing on April 8th, as you probably already figured that out. Um, Thanks again to Sam for filling in. We are going to be having him on. We're going to have Jackson come on. Pat's going to be back, assuming his mayoral duties. Uh, Sam, I hope you had a good episode. I know that it was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Can't wait to have you back. And uh, be remember to follow us on Twitter at ShoelessGoatPod. And make sure to subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast.